We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Today I'm going to introduce you to an author by the name of Victor Davis Hanson, who is a scholar at Stanford University's Hoover Institute. Almost everything this man writes is spot on. It's excellent. And the article that we will discuss today is The Cycles of Revolution in Our Midst. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you so much for listening in. Today I want to spend almost the entire show on Victor Davis Hanson. Like I said, he is a scholar at Stanford University's Hoover Institute. He's a visiting fellow at Hillsdale College. He's received national recognition and honors from George W. Bush. This man has a brilliant mind, and he is conservative and understands how to critique culture from the perspective of a conservationist, some, someone who believes in conserving the historical lessons of the past, Someone who understands that if you don't learn the lessons of history, that you're doomed to repeat them. George Santayana. Somebody who understands that ideas have consequences, and that the lessons of history have proven that the consequences of bad ideas will always be bad. Someone who understands the Old Testament teachings of Micah and Jeremiah, the book of Judges, etc. The Old Testament prophets who tell us of the ongoing cycle of human behavior where people rebel against the laws of God and therefore suffer the consequences therein and lose their freedom over and over and over again. And through repentance and confession, they come back to those laws of God and live within those fences of freedom for a time, rebel again, fall out of favor, suffer the consequences, lose their freedom, and on and on the cycle goes. And this article that Victor Davis Hanson has written, titled The Cycles of Revolution in Our Midst, needs to be understood in that context. We've been here before. Civilizations that have preceded us have been here before. The lessons of history, the lessons of the Bible, the lessons of the prophets, the lessons of sane and thoughtful scholars all point to the fact that the cycle of revolutions in our midst is not something new. This is a story as old as time, and we can't pretend that we're going to come out of this story, come out at the end of this narrative, and in any different place than the people that have done the same stupid things before us. So I want you to hear what Victor Davis Hansen has to say within the context of this introduction. But let's take a break, and when I get back, I'm going to go through his article uh, bit by bit, share a little of my commentary, but I'm going to let his writing speak for itself in great measure. It's so excellent. It's so prescient. It's so spot on. And you need to read on a routine basis the writings of Victor Davis Hanson. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. 
Welcome back to The Rebellion. Before I proceed with the rest of the show, I, I'm going to do some housekeeping today. I haven't done it in a long time, and I intentionally try to refrain from doing so because I know you don't listen to the show to hear me do my self-promotion and marketing, but I do need to throw it in every once in a while just to let new listeners know that you can follow me at The Washington Times, and you can read all of my uh, archived articles for The Washington Times and other things that I've written. You can go to my webpage, dreverettpiper.com, D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R.com. I'll say that one more time. My webpage is dreverettpiper.com, D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R.com. You can find my archived articles in the Washington Times. I write weekly for them. You can find the uh, access uh, links to my three books, Why I'm a Liberal and Other Conservative Ideas, my first one, and then the national bestseller, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth, and then my most recent book, which is a sequel, if you will, to Not a Daycare. Uh, Daycare was me bemoaning the problem, kind of a prophetic voice, if you will, shouting, we've got a problem. There is a mess, and we're knee-deep in it. We're neck-deep in it. We're going, to, we're going to drown in this cesspool of abandoning truth. That was what I was saying in Not a Daycare. We're losing our academic freedom. We're losing our intellectual liberty. We're losing our religious freedom. We're losing our constitutional republic because we've abandoned truth, and we're acting like a bunch of spoiled adolescents uh, throwing a temper tantrum in the grocery store aisle because we want a $1 toy. And we're, 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 we think that if we continue, we think if we continue to act like a child that we'll get our own way. That was not a daycare. Well, Grow Up is the sequel to that, whereas uh, daycare is a presentation of the problem. Grow Up is a book of solutions, 15 chapters on how to act like an adult in this infantilized, um, narcissistic navel-gazing world. All right, so go to everpiper.com, dreverettpiper.com, and access those particular writings. Uh, there are speeches there. there. You can get all the back issues of the podcast, uh, The Rebellion, and you can also schedule me to speak at your various different organizations and churches, if you wish. So forgive me, listeners, for going through that housekeeping, but I want everybody to know that I welcome your support. I'd love to have an opportunity to speak at your church or other organization, and you can go to my website, get all my writings, get all the back uh, backlogged issues, archived issues of the rebellion. And remember, please copy and paste your favorite links to the rebellion out there in your social media so we will continue to build our momentum. So back to the show. Back to the show after that annoying segment of self-promotion. I'm sorry about that. But that is the life of podcasting and public commentary. As I've said before, I don't do this just to hear myself talk every morning. I'm doing it because I want to help provide some information to you, those folks that l choose to listen in. I want to give you some information, hopefully, that's helpful and interesting on a daily basis. And if you want to help us pay for the light bill, and keep this thing going. I welcome your support by purchasing books or scheduling me to speak at your church, or you can always go to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper, and you can be a subscriber to The Rebellion. All right, 
Victor Davis Hanson. All right, now who is he? I'm going to give you his bio really quick here so you just know who we're talking about. Victor Davis Hanson is a distinguished fellow of the Center for American Greatness. And he's a senior fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institution. Uh, he's a former classics professor, and he's a scholar of ancient warfare. He's a military historian. He's a columnist. He writes routinely. You probably have heard of him before, so I don't want to pretend that I'm the one introducing you to him. But if you haven't, I want you to listen very intently to today's show because this, this man is, is spot on, like I said in the introduction. His writing is something that's always, always very crystal clear, sharp, it's crisp. It is conservative, meaning that he's digging back into history, the ancient classics. Okay, that's what he was a professor and historian. Uh, he, he understands conflict. He studied ancient warfare. He's a visiting professor at Hillsdale College. He was awarded the National Humanities Medal in 2007 by President George W. Bush. So this, this guy is no slouch. Uh, he's somebody that everyone should listen to, whether you're conservative, liberal, progressive, wherever, wherever you are on the political scale. Uh, Victor David Hansen Davis Hanson, excuse me, Victor Davis Hanson is somebody you should be listening to because he'll challenge your thinking. He'll make you sharper as iron sharpens iron. Let one man sharpen another. So let us today uh, brush up against some very, very tempered iron. He will sharpen us. This article he wrote is titled The Cycles of Revolution in Our Midst. The introductory sentence uh, the lead-in, the headline, says this, The world is fragmenting and changing in all different directions, and unfortunately, contemporary America is offering no guidance. Okay, that's the context. He's warning. He's sounding an alarm. He's saying stuff that uh, all of us recognize. The world is fragmenting and changing. We're going in many different directions. It's crazy. Everything is upside down. As I'm campaigning for county commissioner here in Osage County, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, it seems that everybody, left, right, center, I, I'm, I'm knocking on the doors of good Oklahomans, many of which either are Democrat or were Democrat in the recent past, and they're, they're chagrined. They don't understand what's going on. So this isn't just a conservative whine. This isn't just a conservative tome. This isn't just me, a conservative, resonating with another conservative and, you know, having our mutual pity party here. No, this is something that everybody on the political scale seems to recognize. The world is fragmenting and changing. We're going in various different directions. We don't have common cause and common understanding as to who we want to be as a common people. And America isn't offering the guidance that it used to. Hansen says this, and he wrote this article on May 15, 2022, from Hansen. A number of radical, military, social, and political revolutions that are changing the United States. These things are going on right now. We're witnessing them. These military, social, political revolutions are changing the United States and changing the world in very fundamental ways. And many of us don't appreciate them. It's as if we are ostriches with our heads in the sand. And the sand is shifting dramatically, but we don't recognize it. We think everything can just be ignored. 
for example, he says this, the taboo about never mentioning the first strike use of nuclear weapons in a major conventional war is now apparently over. It's interesting he starts out with that, isn't it? Um, he recognizes that it was just yesterday, the blink of an eye, nobody, nobody in the White House would have suggested that we were ready to use first strike nuclear weapons. In other words, we would use nuclear weapons for anything other than to defend ourselves if someone else had used them first. And now Vladimir Putin is openly saying he'll use them. He'll use them. And China is hinting at it. And even our own president is saying we will, quote unquote, respond in kind with similar force. So the rhetoric has been elevated to the point that the saber rattling is very, very dangerous. The world is defining nuclear incineration down, says Victor David Hansen. Words have power. Remember that. Words have meaning. Words have power. Ideas have consequences. Ideas are expressed through the use of our language and our words. And when we start saying that we're more than willing to use first strike nuclear weapons in a conventional war, then those words will have consequences. We're not restrained by caution any longer. Sooner or later, somebody will do it because they keep saying it over and over again. I think that's what Victor David Hansen is telling us right now. He goes on to say this, because China and North Korea talk about nukes all the time, and because Russia is saying, Putin, is saying that he's ready to use them in the Ukraine if he needs to, to win the war, and because we've got Joe Biden, addled, senile Joe Biden, saying, well, me too, I'll do the same thing, the rest of the world is watching, and they're not comfortable with this. Australia and Japan and South Korea and Taiwan, they're going to make adjustments because they know that the United States has abandoned its prior role. Uh, they, the United States is no longer the sane voice in the room. It's no longer the protector. The umbrella of the United States over the Western democracy has a bunch of holes in it right now. That umbrella is useless in the minds of our allies. Like I said, Australia, Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, they're watching and they're very nervous. The more likely these societies are going to consider going nuclear themselves as they watch us get weak need. And should Iran ever acquire nuclear weapons, you can watch the arms race explode in the Middle East the nuclear arms race in the Middle East is inevitable because the petro-rich Arab world is going to want to deter Iran's unhinged theocratic dreams. That's what Victor Hansen tells us, and we all know that to be true. Then he says this, there is a revolutionary vacuum. One more time, there is a revolutionary vacuum occurring abroad. Russia and China, Iran, North Korea are trying to figure out whether there is still any old-style American deterrence or whether the woke progressives now in power in Washington dislike the customs and traditions of the United States even more than they do. Again, that is an important statement. 
you watch this and you wonder, do the people that have been elected to power in Washington, D.C., and even in your state capitals, in, in Sacramento, and in, in New York, and in Michigan, and in every state of the Union, even conservative states such as Oklahoma, do the people we've elected to power, do, do they dislike the United States and our traditions, our customs, our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence, under the banner of intersectionality and critical theory, critical race theory, uh, these, these academic crackpot ideologies, under the, under the banner of all that is critical theory and critical race theory, 1619 Project and whatnot, do we as a people now dislike our own customs our own constitution, our own declaration of independence, our own founding founding fathers, do we dislike them more than we do the despotism of these other countries, such as Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea? And they're watching. They're asking these questions, suggests Hansen. Uh, more from the article from Victor David Hansen. Lots of disasters have contributed to the current perilous state of affairs, including, he says, the precipitous American retreat from and humiliation in Afghanistan. I mean, we've forgotten how terrible this was, how, how beaten and bruised and, and cowardly the United States of America proved itself to be, or at least our leadership proved themselves to be. I'm not suggesting that our soldiers were, but they were left with no leadership in Afghanistan. And we've moved on to other ridiculous stories, not recognizing that we showed the world that we will walk away from a conflict with our tail between our legs as a whip puppy when we have leadership such as what we have in the White House right now. So Afghanistan was a tipping point in the mind of Victor David Hansen. He talks about voluntary cutbacks in oil and gas production and the subsequent embarrassment that we suffer going and beseeching and begging a, a thuggish regime, regimes, our enemies, to provide our energy. I mean, this is asinine. We've got a hundred years of natural gas reserves in our own country. We shut off the spigot, and then we turn around and we start begging our enemies to provide our energy for us. Are you surprised that you see gas prices rising across the nation? In California right now, it's now over seven bucks a gallon. It'll be 10 bucks a gallon before Christmas. More from Hansen. He talks about the politicized transformation of the United States military from a meritocratic force, a force based on merit and accomplishment and superior strength of, of our soldiers, to a, to a military focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and he asks this question, do you not think our enemies are watching they're encouraged to take risks that they otherwise might not have taken because they see that our own military, our Pentagon, our Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, they see that our own military is more interested in diversity and equity and inclusion than just preparing soldiers to fight and defend the constitutional freedoms of the United States of America. They see that we don't even care about defining our own borders and defending them. Why wouldn't they encroach upon them? You see an enormous federal debt, says Hansen. Hyperinflation, likely stagflation, and a recession that will come this winter. 
along with worldwide mania following COVID and the disastrous blanket lockdowns. All of the above, all of the above, he suggests, is exacerbated by a 79-year-old adult Joe Biden who seems to be an illustration of our cultural decline. Rather than a temporary embarrassment, he may actually be a harbinger of things to come. Hansen goes on, he talks about a wrecked downtown Seattle, a homeless debacle in San Francisco, a Marxist regime in Los Angeles, and a typical Saturday night of carnage in Chicago. All of these things scream of a problem. And they aren't just anomalies any longer. They seem to be typical vignettes, he says. And then he talks about the new woke United States, And this is perhaps one thing that I'll just rest on and I'll drive home here in the next few minutes of the show. Hansen says this, Instead of confidently standing as a democratic superpower, as we did just yesterday, just just what seemed like five minutes ago in terms of American history, instead of being that, the new woke United States, he said, from the pride flag that flew atop the now-abandoned U.S. Embassy in Cabal to its former gender studies programs and now gender-segregated Afghanistan campuses, this new woke United States exudes both arrogance and weakness. That is is such uh, an important quote. I'm going to go back and read it again. Instead of standing confidently as a democratic superpower, The new woke United States, from the pride flag that flew atop the now-abandoned United States Embassy in Cabal to its former gender studies programs and now gender-segregated Afghanistan campuses, exudes both arrogance and weakness. Now, why does he say that? Why is is flying the pride flag atop an embassy that we've abandoned in Cabal and forcing a gender studies program in universities in Afghanistan that we now lo- no longer have any influence over whatsoever, and they don't, they don't teach gender studies any longer in Afghanistan because they're a gender-segregated campus and society. Women have lost their rights, lost their dignity, lost their freedoms in Afghanistan. So they're not talking about gender studies any longer. They're just talking about the fact that there's blatant segregation and women have to walk on a different sidewalk. They have to bow in subservience to men in dress and in every other way. Yeah, that how how our foolish rainbow ideas work work for those folks in Cabal in Afghanistan. He says this. He says this. It's arrogant and it's weak. It's arrogant and it's weak in terms of what we have done over there. And he says that is a fatal combination for a major power. It suggests to those abroad that a once pragmatic, dependable, and competent America no longer exists. And soon it may reach the point that those whom America wish to help would rather pass on such beneficence, given America's propensities, to offer sanctimonious and strident lectures coupled with an unreliable and ineffective military record. Do do you get the point here? Waving the rainbow flag over the embassy of a country 
that disagrees with that woke rainbow agenda is nothing but arrogant. Trying to impose our broken sinful ideas on other cultures does not engender affection or admiration for us from those other cultures. They don't like it. Oh, they may be quiet about it for a short period of time because they want our money and they want our protection. But when our money and when our protection is no longer necessary or no longer reliable, they will do nothing but tear down those stupid flags and stop teaching those stupid ideas in their schools and universities. That's his point. He says this, in the West in general, and in the United States in particular, we are seeing a final fruition of decades of woke self-loathing. The sight of a pride flag flying on the cabal embassy as the most lavishly supplied and funded military force in history scrambled to fly home, abandoning allies and employees was a bitter metaphor of the arrogance and ignorance and impotence of woke ideology. What was once an elite boutique parlor game confined to university departments and the schools of education has now filtered throughout all campus courses to the point of being institutionalized. It is lapping into the engineering, math, and physics departments and the schools of medicine and business. The idea of a meritocracy is disappearing and it's being replaced by woke fixations on race. And other countries and cultures are watching this and they see it as nothing but the suicidal death wish that it obviously is. He says this, the chief legacy of all of this is that millions are emerging from the shadows of this monster, mouthing shibboleths about climate change, diversity, equity, and inclusion, identity politics, transgenderism, while they damn the very customs and traditions and the values of a prior society that alone is responsible for the very affluence and leisure that these fools enjoy. The stuff of life, water storage for agriculture, gas and oil production for transportation, home livability, building materials for shelter, deterrent police to ensure safe streets, and competent medical officials and scientists. This is all now subordinated to ideological censure and audit. There's so much more I could read here, but I'll conclude with this. He says the nihilistic ideology finally trickles down to the shelves empty of baby formula, idle diesel semis and parked cars left open to thieves. Boutique university theories turn deadly when any society is unhinged enough to adopt them. The words of prophets are sometimes hard to hear, and Victor Davis Hanson is a modern-day prophet. He's telling us things that we need to know, we need to hear, we need to understand. He's sounding the alarm. He's warning us. He's saying that the cycle, the historical cycle of these terrible ideas acted out in culture is going to bear only one predictable consequence, and that is the loss of the freedoms that you now flaunt. Attend to this warning. Attend to what you hear in Scripture and attend to what you hear in these modern voices such as his. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.